Hi again, my name is Clayton, and I'm one of the pastors here at Kingswood, and uh, I'm just so glad that you are worshiping with us, whether you're with us in person here or, or online. Um, we're so excited to start our new sermon series uh, beginning today called Step Up to the Plate, and I'm especially excited to begin this sermon series because there's three things I like to talk about in just all the time. Family, Jesus, and baseball, and so I get to do really all three of these today in my sermon. So uh, I'm just really excited about this. I think it's going to be a really um, great series. And we're going to talk about like how a batter comes up, steps up to the plate each time they come up to bat. Uh, They have to pay attention to the situation on the field, the type of pitch that's coming across the plate, and maybe what uh, signal or sign the coach might be giving them. Um, Like that, during this series, we're going to look at different ways that we can step up to the plate in our faith through how we serve, our commitment to Jesus, through leadership, through worship, through lots of different things. And so we're just really, really excited uh, about this series. And as you kind of already heard, today uh, is Mission Sunday, which is a day for us to celebrate and share stories and experiences and for you all to hear uh, the ways that Kingswood has continued to serve others especially through the ways that we serve others on our, mission, uh, on our mission trips. And this year we went on, a, there was an adult mission trip and a youth mission trip. And uh, you'll be able to hear two different stories later in the service about those trips um, and just the ways that we have served over, uh, others over the past year. Um, see, when we serve others, we take what we know about Jesus in that we're to love our neighbor, we're to care for those in need, and to share all of God's love with all people, and then we put those things into action through our conversations, our hard work, that might be through staining the outside of a tiny home, it might be demoing and rebuilding a deck, it might be painting, it might be as simple as uh, when our children and youth go back to school, there's a new kid that they see and inviting them to their table, whatever it might be. Basically, it's attempting to meet the need of the community that we are serving. As we step up to the plate in our faith, we can simplify it down to this understanding of what Jesus calls us to do and who Jesus calls us to be as disciples, and then we go into the world with that understanding to live that out each and every day. It is not one or the other, but it's both and. Like when a batter steps up to the plate, they need good hand-eye coordination, they need patience, timing, a proper batting stance, good mechanics, and to recognize what pitch is coming. And this all needs to happen in a matter of seconds before the ball passes by the plate into the catcher's glove. I say, that, I say this all because uh, this reminds me of how faith and action are inseparable. You can't only focus on timing because if you neglect patience, then you'll be swinging at balls that are out of the strike zone. Or if you only focus on good mechanics, then you won't be able to time up the pitch as it comes across the plate. When I played baseball throughout uh, Little League and into junior high and even into high school, my parents uh, never missed a game. And early in first service, this was more applicable because my mom is visiting and she was sitting right there and you could have asked her. She was at all these games. She always did the like um, scorebook, so she was doing the balls and strikes and who was going around. Uh, but my dad was, at, when I was younger, helped coach. And now he uh, would have said that he wasn't the most well-versed in terms of baseball, so he never wanted to be the head coach, but he was 
the assistant coach, and he was usually the first base coach because often they're just like, just run all the way through. When the ball's hit, go to the next base. He could, he could do that. That was kind of where he uh, lived in, in that space. But as I got older, he kind of moved out of this coaching role, and um, he was still at every game. And when I would get up to bat, he would kind of move to be behind um, home plate. And there were times when I maybe swung a little too hard and was trying to hit a home run, and my dad would say, keep your eye on the ball, which as a batter in the moment is like, like you're like, thank you. I did not know that I was supposed to do that. That's very helpful now, now that I know that. Um, but there would be times I would, my eyes, he could tell my eyes were looking at the fence because I thought the ball was sailing over the fence and I had just hit a home run, home run when in reality it was in the catcher's glove and the catcher just threw it back to the pitcher for the next pitch. So again, I hear, keep your eye on the ball. But when we step up to the plate, we do need confidence that we can do it, but we also need to keep our eye on the ball. Again, it goes back to this idea of either, of, of not either or, but both and. And I think often when it comes to our faith, there can be this tendency to focus on this right beliefs, that we need to have kind of understand the, the right things and have this somewhat of an intellectual faith. Like, I understand what it says in the Bible, how I'm, how I'm supposed to live my life. But when we do this, we can sometimes neglect putting those beliefs and ideas into action in our everyday lives. And today, we will see that we need both to work together much like a batter needs confidence, and they need to keep their eye on the ball. As Christians, we need to understand that uh, in our mind, we need to understand in our mind who God is, who God is calling us to be as God's followers in Jesus. And we need to take that understanding and knowledge and respond to it by living it out, uh, living out those truths about God through serving others. So what I want to do now is is uh, if you have your Bibles with you, there's Bibles in the seat back in front of you. If you're here in person, if you're at home, this would be a great uh, opportunity to get that out. And we're going to be, want to go back to this passage that we heard Jim read uh, from the book of James, um, starting in chapter 2, and see what it has to say to us about these ideas of faith and action and how they're inseparable and how we might uh, live that out in our everyday lives. So we see starting in verse 14, it says, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but do not have works. Can faith save you? If a brother or a sister is naked and lacks daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and eat your fill, and yet you do not supply their bodily needs, what is the good of that? So faith by itself, if it has no works, is dead. So I think sometimes this passage can be seen as almost this contrast between belief and how, uh, what, how we apply that belief or actions or, or works, as this passage says. Basically, the things that we do to show others the love of Jesus. But I think the contrast the author is making is really between what he calls dead faith, so understanding this belief but not using our actions or not putting that into practice, um, and a living and active faith, which is when we take what we understand about Jesus and go into the world to serve others. The author of James uh, says that it's not enough just to wish someone well. That's kind of what, this, this, uh, what the author is kind of describing here. This person comes in their need of food and clothing, and they kind of wish them well and let them move on to the next thing. 
Our faith is dead without actions because genuine faith leads to transformation and change. But if we see someone in need and only say, go in peace, keep well, then we've not helped anyone. And really what we're saying is, well, I really hope someone else helps you along the way, but I can't do that right now. Our faith must lead us to show the love of Jesus to others. Also, when it comes to action, it is uh, sometimes seen as something extra we do. So who here likes donuts? Does anyone like donuts? Anybody? Okay, cool. I like Spunky Dunkers. If I'm going to get donuts, I'm going to go to Spunky Dunkers and get some donuts. And I can get a donut, and if someone's like, hey, Clayton, I got you a donut, and it has, like, vanilla frosting, I'm not going to be like, no, I don't want that donut. Like, I'm going to eat that donut. But if someone was like, would you rather have frosting or, or vanilla frosting or vanilla frosting with sprinkles? Like, I'm going with the sprinkles. Um, and I think oftentimes when we talk about our faith and then how we serve others or the works that we do, works can often be this thing we just add up on top to make it a little bit better, like almost like sprinkles on a donut, so to speak. And I think that really misses the point. It's all together. They're inseparable. Like you can't have a genuine, authentic faith apart from how we serve other people, how we actually put that in to practice because it's about being transformed into the person that Jesus is calling us to be, and that requires us to go and serve others. Genuine faith calls us when that person comes to us to provide for food or clothing or whatever that might be. The author wants us to move beyond thinking that someone else will care for their needs because God is calling us in that moment to care for them. Then in verse 19 and 20, we read this. It says, you believe God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you, do you want to be shown, you senseless person, that faith apart from works is barren? And so here, the author of James is, is referencing uh, what we know as the Shema from the Hebrew Scriptures from the book of Deuteronomy in chapter 6, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and with all of your might. See, the book of Deuteronomy and here in the book of James is the belief that God is one. But the author of James is highlighting that just an intellectual belief of understanding that God is one is not enough. As James puts it, even the demons believe in that idea, right, that God is one. The point is anyone can have this intellectual understanding of something, but again, that very idea is not transformational. What makes something transformational is that one belief leads them to act on that belief that God is one by serving others in need, by working for justice in the midst of injustice. It is through this transformation and action that our faith will grow. Authentic faith is something that leads us to grow more into the person of Jesus that only happens through applying our faith. When the author of James concludes this passage of Scripture, uh, he references two people that are, are well known to the people hearing this, and they're Abraham and Rahab. Um, and we, we often know um, Abraham from the beginning of the Hebrew Scriptures, but Rahab is a character we, we may not know as well. But both of these people the author uses to show faith um, and action are inseparable. But in the story of Rahab, uh, in, the, in the passage, it talks about how she's a prostitute and she's not an Israelite, but these Israelite spies come 
and she protects them. She risks her family and hides them in her house, and uh, the people end up going away, and, and the spies are saved. But in the midst of that, she's risking her own safety. She's risking the, uh, the safety of her family to protect these Israelite spies. And through this um, act of radical hospitality, um, those spies in turn return the favor and protect Rahab um, and her family. But the point is, genuine faith is brought to fulfillment, to completion through our actions. The, and then the author concludes uh, this passage in uh, verse 6, when it says, For just as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. The author again makes the point that when our faith is void of works, it is like a lifeless body. While belief and understanding about our faith is important, that is only part of our faith in Christ. To have a living and active faith, one that changes us and is transformational, we must put that belief into action. Uh, I'm reminded of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who drew a similar distinction in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. He contrasts what he calls cheap grace and costly grace. For cheap grace, it's a type of faith that does not necessarily lead to action because it does not demand transformation or changed heart. Bonhoeffer says of cheap grace, he says, it's grace as a doctrine, as a principle, a system. It means forgiveness of sins proclaimed as general truth, the love of God taught as a Christian conception of God, an intellectual assent to that idea is held to be of itself sufficient to secure remission of sins. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance or baptism. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship, without the cross. It's grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate. And he contrasts that with costly grace, meaning it's going to cost us something, that when we go out and we serve others, that costs us something, right? And it's important to remember the context in which Bonhoeffer is writing this. Bonhoeffer is writing the midst of World War II and the rise of Hitler. He eventually is killed um, in a concentration camp. And so that's really the backdrop in which he's writing these things. But really what he's saying is our faith leads us to respond with action, to not sit back and wait or think someone else is going to do it, but to really confront the injustice to do something. Our faith must lead us to this change and transformation. And while our context right now as we sit here is a little bit different, genuine, authentic faith for you and I, the call on us is the same. Our faith should lead us to serving others because we are continuing to be transformed by Christ. But this doesn't look the same for everyone. We're all in different places in the midst of our faith journey, um, but we're still called to respond. We're still called to serve others. It's like on a baseball team, they have different roles, especially when people come up to bat. You have your power hitters who are trying to hit a home run and drive in runs. You have people who are going to try to draw a walk and have the next batter kind of knock them over and get them to score. You have people who are hoping just to get on base so they can steal second. That was not my role on the team. Um, and then there's others who might bunt a runner over. The point is, each person has different, uh, a different role, or they're gifted in different ways. And the same is true for us within our faith and how we authentically live out our faith. We do not all need to serve in the same way, but we are all called to serve in some way. 
So as you step up to the plate, as you think about ways that you can serve and step up to the plate, um, it might be serving with an event or a ministry or one of our teams here at Kingswood from our PADS, uh, which is our homeless ministry here, to our missions team, to our food pantry, uh, to something like Harvest Fest, which is, which is an event we have every October we host here at Kingswood, and we invite the community to be a part of that. Maybe as you step up to the plate, uh, it's about helping those who have been um, victims of a natural disaster. So we give through UMCOR, which is a United Methodist Committee on Relief, and you're able to serve others in that way. Or maybe for you, you've never been on a mission trip, you hear about this a lot, and maybe you want to sign up for the first time and ready to go on that. Maybe that's the way that you step up to the plate. The point is, each day, we need to step up to the plate and think of ways that we can serve others. To live out our faith, we must take steps to move beyond mere intellectual belief or understanding of what it is, and to really follow Jesus in taking steps to put that belief into action. And each day, we have opportunities to show Christ's love and hope and peace to our community and to our world. Each day, we have the opportunity to have changed hearts and be transformed by the good news of Jesus and share that with others in whatever we do. And it's easy for us to think about how we serve others as, as a very individual act. And while it is true, we all need to think of ways in which we can respond. Serving others is also an act of a community, that we come together in order to serve others. That's a big piece of all the ministries we have here. We wouldn't have a food pantry if multiple different people didn't come together and serve one another. And I think when we serve together we know that there is this bond that's created, this sense of community, that we're coming together to show God's love to the world. And I was reminded of this this past week. Um, as I said, I really like talking baseball. So it's one more baseball story, and I swear this is the last one. But I watched a documentary on the 1990s uh, Cleveland Indians teams th throughout the 90s. They made the playoffs for the first time in 1995, um, and it was the first time since 1954, so a really, really long time. They made it all the way to the World Series, and as all you Cubs fans know, they lost in Game 6, um, because that's often what happens to Cleveland. Um, but this was their first, as I said, the first playoff berth in 40 years, going back to 1954. So to say that this was a big deal in Cleveland is a large understatement. It was so big that when they lost Game 6, they flew back to Cleveland. They were in Atlanta, and they, got, they landed about 2 in the morning, and there was already 10,000 fans, like, by their plane. And they, the, that next week, Cleveland decided to throw them a parade for losing the World Series. There was so much excitement around that that they had a parade of 50,000 people showed up in Cleveland and just threw this huge parade as if they won the World Series, but they actually had lost the World Series. And so in the documentary, the manager at the time, Mike Hargrove, talks about the Jim Tomey, the third baseman, caught that ball to send them to the playoffs. So, and that was a huge deal for them. And he talks about that, and he says this. In 92 or 93, a man came up to me and said, when I was seven or eight years old, I used to go uh, with my dad to Indians games. And the bond that dad and I had will be something that I never forget. I would like to have that bond and experience with my son when he gets old enough to understand and in 1995, when Jim Tomey caught that fly ball, my first thought was, we just erased 40 years of suffering in Cleveland. And my second thought was, 
I hope that guy is here with his son. And I think this shows just the importance of serving as a faith community. When we do something together, it creates this bond that then we can't do anything else but to go out and tell other people about what we have experienced. This bond begins to take place. And I think ultimately, that's what the author of the book of James is trying to communicate. This is why we serve others. Yes, we want to meet their needs, and that is vital. It's so important. And we want to show compassion to others. But we are also inviting through our actions into this amazing good news of Jesus. Through our actions, we are showing Christ's love and hope and peace and justice to our world. Through our actions, we are being transformed by Jesus. We are being changed, and we believe that those in which we serve are also being transformed and changed as well. And it's because of this change that we are compelled to go into our community and seek ways to serve others. Kingswood Church, may we go as changed people to serve others. May we step up to the plate and seek ways to serve our neighbor. Kingswood Church, may we be a faith community that serves others so, so well. So let us go as changed people to put love and hope and peace of Jesus into action through serving and inviting others into the good news of Jesus. Amen.